Welcome to Success Secrets, the podcast where we dive into the inspiring stories of individuals who have overcome obstacles and achieved remarkable success in their professional lives. Join us as we sit down with entrepreneurs, executives, and trailblazers from diverse backgrounds who have broken down barriers and shattered glass ceilings. We explore their journeys, strategies, and insights and learn how they've navigated challenges, persevered through setbacks, and reached their goals. Get ready to be inspired and empowered by the powerful stories of resilience, determination, and discover their secrets to success. We are excited to kick things off with our first ever season called Women in Fintech. In this captivating series, we will uncover the secrets to success from some of the most influential women in the fintech industry. Welcome to our podcast. Today, we have an extraordinary guest joining us, Sonia Barlow. She is an award-winning founder, best-selling author, and thought leader in tech, entrepreneurship, and social inclusion. She's also the founder of the Social Inclusion Network and the professional mentoring app, LMF Network. Upskilling 20,000 people in three years, Sonia is on the verge of launching their innovative app, often described as, is if LinkedIn and Bumble had a baby. With two TED Talks, a keynote for the House of Commons, and titles like UK Entrepreneur of the Year and LinkedIn Changemaker, Sonia's impact is undeniable. Her writing has graced publications like The Telegraph, Metro, Sifted and TripAdvisor. With over 100,000 followers, Sonia shares content that entertains, informs, and educates. Get ready for an inspiring conversation with this remarkable thought leader. Welcome, Sonia. Welcome to the podcast, Sonia. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. I have been looking forward to this for a while, so I am ready to yeah, just get going and, and share, listen, and learn together. Amazing. I mean, I can see you're doing such amazing things for yourself and for the community and diversity as a whole. So I'm really looking forward to diving deep into your success secrets and your story and seeing what words of wisdom you can share with the uh, listeners. I mean, I hope I hope I have something of value, I think, as a starting point, right? Um, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. Uh, so let's to kick things off. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and your background and how you got interested in the uh, finance and fintech industry? It's a really interesting question. So I was fortunate enough that I worked really hard and got into a finance first university. So I went to the Bayes Business School, which was back then the Cass Business School um, and did an undergrad in business. But it was a finance first university. What I mean by that is we were very well connected to the financial institutes throughout the city. I never personally wanted to go into finance per se as in numbers, accounting and so forth. But I definitely saw from the beginning how the world of finance and fintech, so the coming together of technology and finance, they definitely lacked the access, the opportunity and the inclusion. Uh, but if I'm being really honest, around 2014, 2015, I didn't know what any of that meant. It wasn't like it was a thing. It was just like, oh, there's something that I see. And then that was it. There was nothing that I really wanted to do about it because I didn't know that we could do anything about it. Um, I graduated in 2015 and fell into the world of tech. So I worked in technology in the tech industry until 20, um, end of 2019. And I did digital transformation, AI, machine learning, big data um, transformation projects for large fintech firms, financial institutions and energy firms, as well as a little bit of e-commerce um, and telecoms. And so I really, I guess, immersed myself in a very male-dominated culture environment from the get-go but also understood that in order for you to progress you have to be a kind of character and so I guess what happened for me is I became a version of a character I wasn't great at it but I wasn't I didn't really know who I was and I think a lot of women especially in their mid uh, mid 20s feel like that it's not a quarter life crisis it's more of a hey actually who am I versus who am I in the corporate space um and so in 2018 I started a brunch club called LMF Network in 2019, we started running just just getting together virtual events and in-person events. And then in 20, end of 2019, early 2020, when I lost my job, I was conflicted. I was like, look, I can go back into a corporate space and I can earn six figures and I can live the life that people want to live in corporate. Or I could take a risk on myself and try and figure out if I can figure out how I can make the space a little bit more inclusive. Because mm -hmm. six years 
after having those original thoughts at university, I was like, oh, now there's a scope for things and let me see how I can activate that. So very simply, I took a step back and said, okay, what's the first year looking like in terms of financials? What do I need for security? And I was like, well, my first grad job was 30K. And so if I can make 30K a year, I'm winning. Great. The second one, what is the problem? The problem is that companies want to be inclusive. Um, they want diversity of talent and, and thought and, and you know perspectives, but they don't know how to retain the, the staff members. Great, let me try and solve that. And the third was, based on my own experience too, I was facing an isolation and loneliness gap. So I didn't have social media at that time. And I was like, well, I don't really have work friends. And everyone's talking about work wives. I've got a work wife or two, but I don't have a real community around me of people that I really can kind of, you know, um, talk about career and confidence and networks and build our knowledge together. So taking all of that into account, I started my business. Our first clients or paid clients were PwC and King, so the founder yeah. of Candy Crush. Then the pandemic hit and nothing happened for six months. So I was like, right, this is a great time to brand build, to spend time with my family, to take things slowly, to work on my fitness, and just to get into the headspace of, oh, I run a business now, what does that mean? Um, and I took myself online and I realized that in, in 2020, at least for me, there were very few stories around diverse founders or ethnic minority founders and also individuals that don't come from wealth. And so I was fortunate enough that during a workshop and a conversation I was having, I always ask people, look, what's one of your like life's goals? And I was like, one of my life's goals is to write a book. Mm -hmm. And someone really loved the way I uh, presented that workshop at the end that at the end of the workshop they came to me and they said look I know one of your life's goals is to write a book but I've actually got someone in my network who's looking for new writers would you be interested and I was like yeah like what do you have to lose it's not what you have to lose it's the worst that can happen is you actually get signed right and then I yeah. got a book deal pandemic mid 2020 I was like well I'm I don't know how to write a book but I worked really hard to do that 2021 I'm still working through my business we're working with clients like Steady and Babbel out in Germany whilst we're sitting in London remotely um, and at the same time, I was actually applying for a PhD because I really want to go back into academia. The mm -hmm. BBC came and they were like, look, we've seen some of your great work that you're doing online. Would you like to interview to be um, the host of our new business show? And I was like, what's the worst what? that can happen? The worst is that you actually get in the BBC. So it was a Friday. At 12 p.m., the PhD rejected me. At 5 p.m., uh, the BBC were like, yeah, we want you. And I basically went from doctor to, to kind of presenter really quickly. And then in 2022, I was named as LinkedIn's Changemaker, UK Entrepreneur of the Year via Bash, who were a French luxury brand. Got my own blazer in store called the Sonia Blazer. Um, and outside of that, also was named as a LinkedIn Top Voice, as well as the key presenter for London Tech Week. So things started happening really quickly. And now in 2023, I guess some of our successes, including upskilling, you know, over 20K people, pretty much all for free, if, 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 if nothing. Because during the pandemic, I didn't feel comfortable charging people in the way that it didn't meet my values. People donated and gave what they could, but it wasn't a matter of like, you have a membership and so you have to go forward. We've launched the UK's largest mentoring program because I think in order for us to really build on those skills and get comfortable be with being uncomfortable in the workplace, we need to learn those skills with a 90% success rate. And um, we've launched our consultancy and it pretty much funds our community side. And in the background, we're actually building an app um a tech enabled app to really help build those networks knowledge to to, to bridge those skills friendship um and connections gap but really to make sure that individuals who like myself come from maybe humble beginnings or don't have access to the network feel like they can be connected in a wider space again going back to the diversity inclusion space going back to lack of uh representation in the in the especially the fintech space and thinking about how we can scale through technology to meet more people and to solve more of their problems so it's if LinkedIn and Bumble had a baby, that would be me or at least LMF network. And that's the tagline I'm trying to, thank you. Just try to push out to be like, does yeah. it make sense? Yeah, um, sounds really cool. <laughs> thank you. And outside of that, I, um, I've um, i now got a few side hustles. So I love to travel. And so I do, you know, vlogging around traveling, writing around traveling. I love to write. So I'm doing a lot of um, commissions and pictures just in the writing space. But also 2023, I'm just having a little bit of fun and yeah. I just reconnecting with myself and reconnecting with great women like yourself. I'm really thinking about, look, three years, we've done a lot and I feel very successful in, in, in various ways, but also very unsuccessful in various ways. So how do I take stock of three years and then plan for another three years? But I think you need a little bit of that break so that you're not burning out, so you're recharging your batteries so that you can go full, kind of full force ahead yeah. um, versus 
yeah, with, with focus versus what I was doing before, which was I have, you know, my, my version of success, I guess, because I was thinking about this morning before this um, podcast, and I was thinking my version of success is maybe not financial anymore. My version of success is the fact that I'm brave enough just to go and take a risk and to do something that I want to do and see if it works or not. I think that's such a beautiful thing because not everyone feels that strong or that yeah. confident. Like my version of success is, oh, today I want to do writing and I want to write about travel and tech and the coming together of that. I've spent six months pitching and now I've got commissions from Lonely Planet, TripAdvisor, Hello Mag, some of the biggest names, right? Or I'm not great on TikTok, but actually what I love is talking about AI, tech and travel. So now I've started this thing where it's like in 60 seconds, there's the three things you need to know right now about these three topics and you push it out and you leave it. And so I, yeah, I guess my version of success right now as of today is being brave enough just to go after whatever it is you want. And see yeah, going after your dreams, right? Doing whatever it is that you want, having that freedom and just being fearless, isn't it? It's, and then I feel like that's when you really enjoy life as well because yeah. you're doing what you want. There's so many people out there, for example, I don't know, maybe ones that are still working in the city and not saying that it's it's wrong or anything. Um, but there's so many people out there that don't do what they want to do because they're scared of doing it. They're scared of what would happen, what, ha- what would happen if they fail. What's the, actually, I always think of it this way. Well, actually, what's the best that could happen out of this? And chances are you're going to learn from it if, if, for example, you thought. It's I'm, a, I'm a big advocate of failure. Last night I was um, I was being interviewed for the future of AI and business and, and the, the app we're building and generally my story. And um, I had a early 20-year-old approach me and they were like, look, how did you get to where you are? And I was like, it's such an interesting question. I didn't get to where I am. Yes, some of it is luck and some of it is opportunity and some of it is creating your own networks. But a lot of it is being like, the worst that can happen is you fail. But I love failing. For me, failure is basically it means you've tried. Your version of success hasn't been met, but maybe some smaller milestones have. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's iterate and try again. And you don't know what you don't know until you fail. And, you know, ironically, I have a whole TED talk on failure. So it's failure that's really helped me do what I'm doing. And I'm, I know hands down that the first one or two times I do something, I'm going to fail so bad that it's going to cost me time, effort, emotions, finances, and, and, you know, just, just like mental exhaustion. I know, I know it is. So I just get it out of the way. I'm like, okay, if I'm going to lose the money, I'm going to lose it fast so I can then grow on top of it. Right. And Mm -hmm. the, the, the excitement for me is the worst thing that can happen is not that you get a no, the worst thing that can actually happen is that it works and then you have to carry on and be consistent. And that I think is where people trip up. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? And I always say to everyone, you don't fail, you fail forward because you learn from it. Like, for example, I've started three different businesses until I've got this one that's that's obviously a successful business. But before that, like, for example, I started my first business at 16 selling jewelry in Camden Market that failed and then I also started um a a similar community to what you're doing but yeah but that unfortunately didn't work out because it was it's I mean it's as you probably know it's so much work hard and yeah working having it alongside my business here it just wasn't it didn't work so I learned a lot on the branding and marketing side um I learned in this jewelry business about sales so it's all about like you take those skills and you implement them into your next business right exactly and you know, people always ask me, oh, how do you, how do you like run a business? And actually in hindsight, I think it's really easy to start a business. And what I mean by that is you have a problem, you go on company's house, you set yourself up and you're like, oh, I'm a business owner. Great. I think it's really difficult to scale a business. And, you know, you talked about fear. I, I don't know what it is because we're talking about success and I talk to a lot of amazing entrepreneurs about success and entrepreneurs that really want to be successful really fear success, not the starting. I never feared the starting. The starting was easy because I had nothing to lose. It's when you've created a brand, a reputation, when you are responsible for people's households and their livelihood, when you have built something and it's of it's of value add, then you're like, okay, I need to keep doing it. I need to be consistent. I need to scale upwards. I need to make sure that I can impact more people. And at the same time, sometimes you find the shiny object. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. Let me go there. Let me go there. You get a little bit of FOMO. And I think 
I think it's really hard to stay focused on what you want when there's so much noise around you. Mm. And also I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate that I've accepted and embraced my my own, my kind of neurodivergent brain. So be that my uh, migraines, be that my ADHD, just be that who I am as a character. You know, when I was younger, I was really quirky. And I think that was like, uh, oh, you're quirky. I don't want anything to do with you. And now I'm like, I am quirky and I'm good with it. And that's the kind of business person. Embrace it. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm like, whatever that means. If I want to wear something funky, I'm going to wear it. If I want to do yeah. something, I'm going to do it. You know, like I show up just trying to be a little bit of a vibe versus being like a curated self because I'm not a curated self and I think for me that representation really matters is I don't have it all figured out but I'm not afraid to figure it out you know Mm -hmm. what I mean yeah and I think it's so important to be your just your most authentic self because in a world of same people like sheeps it 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 does pay to stand out and just be yourself and don't be afraid what other people think you know because that's that's it and just like you when I was growing up I was seen as the quirky one um I do have ADHD as well um so obviously that reflects in in our quirks (laughs) I mean it's interesting right even the ADHD argument it's it's I, I don't know about you and I'm not I'm not sure of your heritage as such but in my in my kind of culture um it's a really weird conflict of interest because we as a society so you know brown people generally or people of color or ethnic minorities or marginalized communities or global majorities whatever the statement right now is or how you kind of Mm. raise it Mm -hmm. we haven't been the best at talking about mental health however i've always found that ironic because my family might not be the greatest at talking about mental health but they've always really embraced who i am and they've encouraged me to be who i am so i've had a lot of my, my parents were really strict and i was really sheltered and as any brown girl I had my complications growing up right Mm -hmm. but I would say that my parents never stopped me from being confident or speaking out or just giving things a go and I and I really you know I really um, appreciate the way that my my siblings have also backed me so I'm the eldest of four in everything that I want to do so they're the first ones you know signing up to my YouTube channel or sharing it with their friends or buying the book or you know at conferences if I can't make it my mom and brother are there like doing the work yeah when it came to these concepts of like ADHD and and neurodiversity and so forth I never I I felt ashamed maybe in myself but my family never made me feel ashamed if anything it was my younger siblings who were like embrace who you are and be good with it and and you know my parents were like we've always taught you just to be who you want to be and who you are so go with it and you realize that a lot of the obstacles that you face you create yourself or you or you amplify based on the society you're in but because I think I grew up with very little obstacles from a family standpoint. I didn't really have those per se, but I did have ADHD and migraines. But I think it's because I was never made to feel different in my family, that it wasn't something that I that I really felt like hindered my progress. It helped my progress and I was able to manage it. It's, it's, it was only really in the corporate space so between 2015 to 2020 that I found it really difficult to navigate. And because there was very little to no education around this topic in the workforce, especially of fintech and technology mm-hmm. um, and, and finance, that's when it became problematic because you were taken as as myself. You know, I'm a very like um, hardworking woman, but I was taken as, oh, you're daydreaming or you're digressing or you're not serious about this. I'm like, no, I am serious about it, but I'm also serious about three, three things and I can do it or oh uh, you know you 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 speak before you think and actually that's just a skill that you need to build up over time but it's not it never came up from an offensive standpoint or sometimes your thoughts are scattered as so you need a moment just to bring it back mm-hmm. and so now before someone else tries to be like hey you're the loud scattered one in the room I'm like listen I get really passionate about things and so bring me back I tend to be super loud and overconfident and confident and underconfident so just help me out I might have some scattered thoughts and it might digress. If it's not adding value, bring me back. So I tend yeah. to now be the person who makes these statements at the beginning so no one could call you out on it. And yeah, yeah, it's yeah. about reclaiming that power back and reclaiming your your identity and being good with who you are. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And to be honest, I, I, I definitely understand that like the corporate workforce is not really, it's not really spoken about in the open, like ADHD or autism or anything. And it's not something that I openly speak about much, which I probably will start doing now because it has affected me working in the corporate space. But when I started my business, 
I was like, oh my God, I can just literally be my authentic self and I can do the things that I'm passionate about. And the thing about ADHD is when you're passionate about something, you get into hyper-focus mode. Absolutely. That's like the most powerful thing that you can have because you're just, it's just everything to you, isn't it? But that's also what really helps or hinders your business acumen. So you've built a successful business and and so have I to some extent, but I never started with the intent that it was going to be a business. And what I mean by that is my business for three years was community first and people first. And the problem therefore that I found and others found was it was really hard to scale me. And so you can raise your prices, but you still need that time either side to, to, you know, recharge and to take time off. So the reason why we're now incorporating tech is because actually at some point I burnt out trying to be a community first driver or engager. And I think it really played into those people pleasing tendencies, which you mm-hmm. tend to have as a woman, as an ambitious woman, as one from a cultured background, maybe with an ADHD and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so I really incorporated the messaging of having fun in 2023. I'm like, I'm not taking things that seriously. Success will come, but it won't come if I'm not doing well in myself. And so the point of, you know, launching something through tech is because that's scalable outside of just me, but also then you have a product that you can enhance. Now, do I have any background in building a product or an app? No. Do I have a big team that's supporting me? No. Do I have the right advisors on board? No. But am I willing to take a bet and put my own money and resources and time and effort and give it a go and see what happens? Yeah. And I just think at this point, there is no way that you can't be some version of successful if you've put in the hard work and effort. Like I find that really strange. But what I would say to anyone listening is sometimes what you think is success might not actually be what you're meeting in terms of success measures, but there'll be other areas that have been really successful for you. So, you know, success can look like freedom. Success for me looks like being able to cancel my calendar. Success looks like being able to talk about this on a Friday, having half a day off and then just chilling. Success mm-hmm. looks like being able to book a holiday wherever I want and go wherever I want. Success doesn't always look like being able to sign off that client or earning six figures or yeah. having a lot of money in the bank because yeah. I think those are those are those are versions of success. That's not everyone's version of success. I completely agree, and I think it's important for each individual to map out what their idea of success looks like. My idea of success when I was in my early twenties was so different to what my idea of success yes. is now. And my idea of success is being able to just travel the world whenever I want and to be able to work remotely. I think that's such freedom to me. And it's actually, I'll be honest with you, the reason I started this business was so I could travel the world and work remotely. And now we're like a team of 10. Um, but it's it's amazing, like, because I had that idea and it's just scaled. But it's, it's, it's crazy to think like what can happen when you just start believing in yourself. And when so. you go up- uh, sorry, and one thing I've, I've, I'm hearing you say also is, or kind of alluding to is that subconscious um, measure of success, subconsciously what you actually enjoy doing versus what you're doing. So I've always loved to travel and I've always wanted a remote life where I can roam around. I love being able to, you know, stick my hands in different pies and see if it can work out. But that wasn't the intent. But actually it turns out that, and you you made this point earlier is, even if you're in the corporate space, you're working nine to five job, what skills are you building? So actually all the experience I had in corporate was so fundamental for the work I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Everything from managing corporate partnerships and sponsors to knowing what your boundaries are in non-negotiables mm-hmm. all the way to, oh, actually I really enjoy traveling and I love talking about tech and I like knowing what the trends are. I'm not trying to go viral online. I'm trying to have substance. Okay. But that means that I can go in, uh, you know, last year I went to Kenya for three weeks and you know, a typical person might go to Kenya and switch off. I went and found business out there. I was like, oh, I'm already going to Kenya. I might as well find business. I did that in Mauritius. I did that in Estonia. I've done that, you know, in Portugal. I've done it in in Amsterdam. So I guess my point is I love being able to, yes, intersect traveling with, with your work. And the great thing about building a business that's basically based not just on you, but your vision is, is your, is the things that you love, especially as a kid start to come out and you're like, oh, I'm, I maybe thought about this when I was 21, but I didn't know it was possible. But now in my like late 20s, early 30s, I'm actually creating that life because your subconscious is saying, Sonia, that was always your measure of success. So stop, stop hiding from it, you know? And 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 I was in a really good panel the other day um, uh, with uh, Kevin Rasko, who used to be the ex-CEO and MD of Porsche and Lamborghini and BMW. And he basically made the statement to say, look, you, you know what 
the skills that you have, you know what you're impactful and you know what you're good at. Just just focus on that and and grow it forward and yeah. keep on doing that very well. And that's a great problem to have because I'm currently at a crossroads, right? And I'm like, but I'm at a crossroads that I've created for myself, but also a great problem to have is what path do you go down versus being in a position where you feel like you're stuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree with what you're saying. And the person that told you to focus on what you're good at is so important because even in my business, I there's so, there's so many things that I need to do Um. But when I started delegating, when I got an assistant and an executive assistant and just started delegating, I was able to focus on the things that I was good at. And that really helped to scale the business. So, what what, do, what what are you good at? I would say I'm very good at being on the front end. So like front of house role. So I like to go out to events, network, meet people, build partnerships, build relationships with clients and the right people. And uh, yeah, just to help the, get the brand out there. So like being at the, I guess, the face of the business. Does that make and sense? then who who does the conversation, the follow-up? Who does the execution? Have you delegated those roles out? Yeah, so we've got a sales team that do that. And uh, we've got a, a team that helps with the lead generation. So we've got a marketing team. And then my co-founder, he um, he works with like the closing of the business. So it, we've got a good system that works really well at the moment. And when you were in a position of not just founding your business, but your first hire, how did you know who your first hire should have been? Oh, that was a difficult one, you know, because when we first was in the position of hiring, we we're like, oh, no, we don't really need to hire. But we were getting we were getting so much work in that was like, oh, we didn't want to because we wanted to manage it all ourselves. And we were scared to delegate and let some of that work off. Um, but when we did, she was, she was amazing. Uh, she was actually our first hire. We hired a, like a VA from the Philippines and, um, yeah, she just, honestly, she really helped to change the business and like get so many business, so much business in. And then we hired another one, um, who is now our head of business development. And she's like, I feel like every hire has really helped take the business to the next level. But I think you also have to be very selective on who you let in, in the business as well. Whereas I think I've done the opposite. So we scaled really quickly and we had a lot of opportunity come through from Spain, from Canada. We had a university society. And I think what tend to happen is, especially 2020 and 2021, I didn't quite know how to manage people because I didn't know how to manage myself. I'd never been in that position. Mm. So we brought a lot of people in who then didn't necessarily help to scale the business, but they definitely helped to figure out what the niches are in the business and provide great ideas in order for us to move forward. And I say the second point is from a delegation standpoint, I actually find delegation quite difficult and I find growing a team quite difficult. And so the interesting thing there and the reason I asked is because, you know, generally we think of successful businesses as having big teams. Mm. But actually one thing that I've come to terms with over the last couple of maybe months, if not year, was Maybe I don't want a big team. Maybe I just want a team of four or five, but like really good four or five people mm -hmm. versus 50 people. Yeah. Maybe I don't need an in-person office. Maybe remote is best. Maybe mm -hmm. I, you know, don't want 10 clients a year. Maybe five are good. Yeah. Uh, and, and also, you know, I don't want to work five days a week. I, as a founder, work seven days a week. But truly and honestly, when you break it down, it's like I don't want my team to have to work seven days a week because everyone has lives. And so... Yeah. You made a really great point earlier about in your 20s, success was different and now it's different. And I think the best thing about bringing people in and also letting people go is that they 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 help you redefine your version of success mm -hmm. because when you've met a success measure that you thought was there and it doesn't fulfill you or doesn't like make you tingle, you're like, hey, was this actually my version of success or was it somebody else's because I knew yeah. I was Yeah, like was, is it really yours or is it society's version of success? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's it. When I started um, the business, I was actually a couple of years ago, I was always thinking, am I doing this for what society wants? Or am I doing it because I want to do it? And that in every decision I make now, if I'm going to go to this work event, if I'm going to go to this event, I'm thinking, do I want to go? Is And like, like, is it going to make me feel, is it going to help me take the business to the next level? Or is it because it's going to look good to go, you know? But at what point, at what point did you come to that moment? Because I think you also get lost in the glitz and glamour. I think you yeah. get a little bit lost in, oh, people like me, they know my name, they've invited me here, they want me to do this. And I, I think I think that also helps you lose yourself, but also redefine yourself. And I think that's yeah. maybe what I'm hearing from you when you're saying, 
early 20s success was different and now success is different where was that pivotal moment where you're like hey actually this isn't serving me and yet I'm spending a lot of time here yeah so I think it's when I started my business but then you were talking about in your mid-20s how you're going through a little crisis I was I've been going through that as well in all honesty from the past um started at the late last year um and now I'm coming out the other side and I've really oh I've really defined my version of success now I'm not doing it because others want me to do it I'm doing it for me and I really like I've worked with a life coach I've worked with a therapist and I've just really like nailed down what my values are in life and what it is that I really want not what society says society says you get you should be married by 30 you should have kids you should do this you should settle down and it's like everyone's version of success is different you know and I and I love that for you and I think for anyone listening you know what are some points that you can take away understand what success means to you write down no more than success you know three success measurables and figure out if it's for you or society and then I would say also smaller milestones so a really good example being I wrote a book was it a bestseller not on the Sunday times right so it wasn't but and there's a big but so if anybody was looking at that being like well you it's not a Sunday times bestseller so it must not be that great well no because actually that's someone's measure of success that might have been mine too. But actually the fact that you got a book deal, you pitched yourself, someone liked it, you signed the contract, you focused on it, you spent time writing it, you did the interviews, you redrafted it seven times, you put it on the publisher, you did the PR, you did the marketing, you've sold more than you know 300 copies, which actually a lot of the time is the, is the bare minimum that you need a year to be an author. Mm. Um, people are buying it, people are referencing it. You've seen it, I've seen it in, airports I've had friends go around the world and take pictures of it I've had you know I've seen it in Mauritius to Amsterdam to Kenya um as examples Philippines India Pakistan the US Canada South America so cool, like, can I be beyond what I can imagine right yeah but you might be looking at me being like well it's not a Sunday Times bestseller so it's not successful and I'm like cool that might be your version of success but look at all the little milestones that I've achieved just to even mm. get here and to yeah. have something in the shelf and be like oh you did that yeah. So, so I think I think success is not not the so so I find it really interesting now. It's not it's not the last point of success. It's the you're celebrating the start. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of people during the pandemic were like making banana bread and going on jogs. And I kind of went the jog route, and I was like, oh, let me go and give give this a go. I'm not a great jogger. I'm not a great runner. But uh, when I do it, I actually I, I listen to the night run app as an example because I need the guided coaching, and that really helps me. And they always say, don't celebrate the fact you've finished, celebrate the fact you've started, celebrate the fact you've decided to do it, you put your shoes on, you went outside, even if you're not into it, celebrate the fact that you did, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, not the distance, not the speed, but just the fact you did something. And I think when you focus on it from that perspective, it's all about mental resilience and it's all about just constantly improving. And my measure of success now is how can I constantly improve on everything I'm doing just 1%, 2%, 3%? And how can I, how can I feel that I'm, you know, creating efficiencies, both for myself and my business? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's, yeah, I mean, it's, what I was going to say here is I think it's so important as well, like you said, what, what is that definition? Like you mentioned, like, okay, some Sunday times, that might be someone else's, but this is yours. You've, you're an author, you've, sold loads of copies of books I think that's incredible you know it's an incredible achievement and I think someone coming in from a higher level may see it differently but someone coming in from like starting their career they're going to look at you like a superhero you know so it's all about what you define and I think it's so important to just celebrate your small wins and uh, I, I in all honesty I don't think I do this enough because I'm like okay I've achieved this what's next what's next and um it just but now recently I've been like, okay, I've, I've achieved this. I need to do a little celebration. I'm going to make my favorite dinner. I'm going to go to my favorite restaurant, you know, and it's just like, okay, that's, it's absolutely. And I, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of solo dating. So solo dating, master dating, spending time alone. And it's mm-hmm. interesting because I met with the editor just yesterday. She was talking about, have you always been good being alone? And I was like, actually, I was good being alone when I was younger in hindsight. Um, especially when people didn't serve me and because of my ADHD-ness and my people-pleasing acumen and my my like just character generally and I have no shame saying this is 
you got to a point where you'd like want to really be friends with people or you'd like really people please and then they'll do something and you're like listen I, I don't have time for this and you cut them off completely so it's either you're my friend or you're not there's no real middle right but when someone's not I was really comfortable spending my freeze and time alone in the library by myself I was really comfortable going on walks by myself I was really comfortable reading by myself I was really comfortable going to the cinema or concerts or you know out and about by myself like it's never bothered me to go out eating and then I think because of the corporate space and because of the DNI element and because you're trying to conform and mask yourself, you start to become uncomfortable with it. Mm. But now I, I'm good at being by myself and I like it and to some extent. And what I mean by that is, yes, you've done something well. Go and treat yourself. That might be going up for a job. It might be going for a walk. It may be going and, net, you know, binging on Netflix. Like mm-hmm. I think I was having, you know, Bridgerton. I think I binged Bridgerton to celebrate mm-hmm. the success that I had in business. Like that was literally my my like, oh, okay, I've got time. I'm just going to treat it. myself. Do something I'm treat myself exactly. Or like, you know, getting your hair done, getting your nails done, going mm-hmm. to a really nice restaurant. Nice doesn't mean expensive. Nice means actually I'm happy to spend like £12 on a banana bread, right? Because it yeah, makes yeah, yeah. good. Um, and, and small things or like booking a flight and be like, you know what? I'm going to go on holiday to this like luxury resort because I want to, or I'm going to go to this, you know, um, sustainability resort because I want to or because I'm going to decide to just do what I want. Or for me, I'm going to take most of December off because I really don't want to work in December and no one works in December and I'm not going to go to Christmas or kind of, you know, end of year parties. Yeah. I'm just going to sit at home and hibernate. That's success. And and you made a really great point. It's someone looking at you from, you know, start their career. That's my target market. My target market is not the bad and bougie who have made it. Mm. My target market or market is the young inexperienced professional who's looking for representation who's looking Mm -hmm. for someone to say oh I was where you are and here's the steps I took to to get to where I am now and you can do the same and you can replicate it and my measure of success is here's the tools and tricks use them abuse them make the most of them and do it for yourself too so you know when you think about diversity inclusion as we alluded to at the beginning the fintech finance business technology space didn't have the representation it needs and it still doesn't so rather than me sitting there complaining about it all I can do is actually be someone who can support the fix and mm-hmm. action the steps. And so, yes, I do that through business and I do that through a portfolio, but I also do it through social media content. I also do it through these podcasts. I also do it through just walking and talking to strangers, right? I also yeah. do it showing up in spaces which naturally aren't meant for you and saying, it's okay, I'm here now. How can I add value? Yeah, and I think that's the most beautiful thing because there's people that would just talk about it, but it's how you put it into action, right? And what you do to help to, to help the next generation of women to upskill, to to achieve more, to break the glass ceiling in business, you know? And uh, I think it's so nice that we have, well, you have this community because when I first started in the industry, there was nothing like that. And I was told that women don't belong in the industry, that we are shit at our jobs, mm. that we belong in the kitchen and just awful things like that. And I was literally the only woman on the trading floor and I did feel quite left out. Um, it's like, annoying, right? Yeah. And really upsetting and I'm sorry you went through that. I actually had a manager who called me stupid. He literally was like, you will not achieve anything and you're stupid. And I was like, am I though? Am I? Or are you so complacent in your nine to five that you can't see beyond this? Yeah. I had a female manager tell me that if I asked for negotiated extra pay it would like hinder my business progression or the fact that I have migraines it will hinder my success moving forward in business and I was Mm -hmm. like that sounds like a you thing it doesn't sound like a me thing like why do you feel the need to project your insecurities and your boundaries and your complacency on somebody else and actually I'm quite fueled by people telling me I can't do things right a lot of what I do (laughs) and I'm exactly I'm sure you are too and a lot of successful businesswomen are being like who are you to tell me what I'm capable of when you haven't given me a shot? And actually, even if you've not given me a shot, I'm not waiting around for you to give me that space. I'm going to go and reclaim my space because that's my space to take. Yeah. It's literally adding fuel to your fire, isn't it? I love it. it, it give it. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it's, it's so funny, right? Because it does, it, it kind of like truly bothers me sometimes. And my loved ones, my my friends, my family, even my, my mentors, Sometimes they would just do it to be like, okay, you are, you're getting a little bit too complacent, Sonia. And they would just say things to me and they'll rattle me up and they're like, you can't do this and you can't do that. And they're like, we're only saying it because we know it fuels your fire, right? Um, and and I'm, I'm just like, look, if, if, if we're talking about role models or representation and inclusion and we can't see someone who looks like us, 
there's that saying right you can't be who you can't see and I'm like yeah okay cool but also if you can't be who you can't see then just go become that person so you can help someone else like how you know I'm not it's not it's also not fair to put these expectations on women and people to be like if you can't see it you can't be it I think what we should be doing is if you can't see it you can be it and here's the tools and skills and guidelines that you need to go and become that person and Mm -hmm. I think we ourselves when we're talking about women and empowerment and inclusion of any kind sometimes sometimes are our own gatekeepers or sometimes like hinder the process because we use these same analogies and kind of put people in the circle where it's like, no, you want to do something cool. How can I help you? If I don't know, how can I connect you with someone? If they don't know, how can we help you find the resources and level up? And yeah. and the one thing about me, I guess, and you know, is I'm, I'm everything I've achieved to this day, I would say, you know, 90% has been word of mouth or through references or through networks or through not being afraid to just show up in spaces. And showing up is, is I think, the most important thing. And my measure of success now I, you know, recently turned 30, it's show up, do the work, figure it out, see what happens, treat yourself and celebrate, but also go and recharge. Freedom, flexibility, the ability to think differently, the ability to be different, the the ability to be quirky, to dress and wear what you want, to show up in spaces where, you know, maybe you're wearing a pair of Crocs and you're wearing, you know, tracky bottoms and a t-shirt and people are like, oh, are you really meant to be here? And in yourself, you're quietly confident. And you're like, yeah, I am because I'm, I actually earned this space and I'm actually yeah. really making successful in my own self. Yeah. But because I don't look like I have wealth, it doesn't mean that I don't have that version of wealth. It just means that I don't need to show it off anymore. And that's kind of where I've got to. Um, And let me tell you a story. So yesterday I had a really full circle moment or the day before. There was a restaurant that I went to in 2015 with a mentor um, who I got a mentor from university who was like helping me figure out what I want to do in life. And I remember she did a great exercise, which basically was three Venn diagrams, right? One was for like your skills, one for like what you think you want to do and for, one for like, you know, who you think your target is. And she was like, anything that meets in the middle, that's basically what you should be doing. And I remember I did that exercise and it came up with something like customer service or relationship management or something of that kind, right? These are like real um, technical kind of, uh, titles that existed mm-hmm. in 2015 or so great so I already knew kind of what my skill sets were but just not how to execute it in 2020 when I started my business for the first time uh the first time I went to a corporate breakfast was actually in the same restaurant and I remember I walked in like the corporate version of Dora the Explorer right red jacket little backpack like a bob like my little work shorts on with tights and trainers and I tell people what I was building and, and who I was and the experience I'd had thus far and of people were like, you can't be that successful. You're too young. You can't be that successful. You don't look like you run a business. You can't be that successful because of, you know, be that your perception or be that your, basically just how you look and who you are. Mm -hmm. And then two days ago, I went back to the same restaurant space and I led a discussion with, you know, the ex-MD of one of the largest car brands in the world who sold his last minute for you know, uh, last business for a hundred million and people came to hear me and to hear him and the and the crowd was like super full and there was no spaces left. And you're thinking, just look at that kind of full-ish circle moment where things started and where you are basically in the same or similar spots. And if you think of life like that, I think everything comes in full circle as long as you're willing to open yourself up you're willing to take the L, you're willing to learn and you're willing to find friends along the way. Mm-hmm. But you're also willing to just celebrate those most, like those little magical moments. You mm-hmm. know, that might not be someone's version of success. But for me, it was like, oh, I've gone from being here with a mentor, being really confused in life to to being here for a business breakfast where no one took me seriously to actually being the main character in that room. Mm. Yeah. A wonderful story. Yeah, it's so it lovely. Made, it boosted me up. Thank you. Yeah. And I think that's it, right? Because you, the more successful you become, if you don't look back, you're not going to appreciate it, right? And you're always going to be striving for more. And when when does it end, you know? Like, when do you find happiness? Because success is, at each goal, you're just always going to keep going. It's, it's not a bad thing to keep going for the next goal, but it's also important to appreciate where you are now and appreciate how far you've come because that's the journey, right? Well, okay, so let me ask you a question then. So two questions. 
one, do you think you're happy? And two, how would you define happiness? I would say that I'm working towards living a very happy life. I've obviously this year has been very tough for me with my crisis and everything else. Um, but now I'm defining my version of success uh, as happiness and success, which is like you mentioned, just being able to just take a spontaneous trip, go to that country, exotic place or wherever. Um, I like traveling really makes me happy and that that adds fuel to my fire. It's just my passion and I love to do it. And I can go on about how much it just makes me happy experiencing new cultures, food, everything like that. So having that freedom to do it whenever I want is I would say it's my definition of success and happiness. And also you mentioned as well, like treating yourself, going on solo dates, doing that solo travel, um, just really enjoying space with yourself and really appreciating you time. And I didn't get enough of that before. And I'm really loving that now. And it makes me really happy. And I think it's such an interesting concept, like the concept of happiness. Whereas maybe if you'd asked me maybe a couple of years ago, I'd say I'm not happy. But in hindsight, I am happy. And I've always been happy. And now my version of success is to maintain this level of happiness or to improve on it. Mm-hmm. And so when you take a step back, my version of success in happiness is not driving, you know, the greatest cars in the world. Though if that was to happen and, you know, Bentley, Rolls Royce were coming my way, I'm not going to say no, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I was to have a G-Wagon Mercedes, yeah, I would take mm-hmm. that. I'd love yeah. it. But right now, I guess my version of happiness based on what's happening in the world. And when you're a people first business and a people first person, there's a cost of living crisis. So I am happy and I'm privileged. And I'm working really hard because I have shelter and I have a house and I have heating and I have food and I can still go on holiday. And I have you know people's livelihoods that I respect that I can help them earn and help them bring food to the table. At the same time, I'm happy because if I wanted a pause tomorrow, I have the time the patience the effort security to do so Mm -hmm. i'm happy because i've come to a point where i've you know i've really i've started to really love myself again and i think that's when you're in your 20s and your teens you forget to do that because you're so busy loving other people and i'm like no no i'm i'm the main character here let me bring myself back into it i'm happy because i have health and the health is really important right and so i guess my point being is health is wealth actually so i guess my point being is even that that change of mindset is like yes sometimes I have sad days and sometimes I have down days and sometimes I do feel like I go back to my depressive modes but for some reason that doesn't really that doesn't really hinder my happiness like I'm at a constant point of happiness but I have a fluctuating um sadness or like anxiety or depression going on but that's just because that's how my brain is wired right yeah so it's like, I think the point I'm trying to make is that I think as people, we also need to differentiate the two. It's like, I am happy. Mm-hmm. I have my moments of sadness, but generally in the greater scheme of things, I'm more happy than I am sad. Mm. Okay, great. How do we sustain that level or how do you kind of improve on it? It's only when it starts to suck the life out of you, that's when things need to change. And what I was doing, the person I was becoming, the attention I was getting, that started to suck the life out of me end of 2021 early when no sorry end of 2022 early 2023 mm-hmm. and so I was like right I can only control what's in my control mm-hmm. and that's my health and that's my mental state and that's my emotional state and that's my time and my energy and what serves yeah. me and what doesn't and so I started to set like really clear boundaries and non-negotiables for myself first and I found it increased my happiness it might have decreased my friends or my network or my acquaintances but that's okay because they weren't there with the bad times right that we just yeah. it's setting your boundaries and sticking to them right and prioritizing your time and your space and your energy because you only have so much energy to give to people and you only have so much time in the day and you know what what we do running a business is exhausting and our time is precious so it, we need to be very like it's it, we need our time is precious so we need to make sure that it's spent wisely you know I agree with that completely how do you manage your time um, so I make sure to incorporate fitness every day because that really helps with my mental health. Um, I, I like you mentioned, health as well. Well, uh, we were talking about it earlier. Um, I always have healthy smoothies in the morning. Um, my time after work, I'll make sure to have me time. So I'll go, I don't know, I'll take myself to dinner or make my favorite food because I love to cook. Um, but yeah, just making sure that I have time that's going to benefit my mental health and men, um, and like just make me happy. But I think mental health is keeping that like on top is really important you know 
and fitness for me is very important in doing that and you um so recently I have been yes exactly that focusing a lot more on my fitness making sure that I have some kind of um routine so I go to bed by 10 p.m and I'm awake around 7 I'm not in the 5 a.m club but I also need my rest and my sleep Mm -hmm. um making sure that when I come home I have dinner with my loved ones and not be on technology on my phone being in a position where I do to-do lists and I get my work done um but also being in positions where I'm like right half a day a week I fully take off and I just do what I want and what I mean by that is when I say do what I want that could be doing nothing right Mm -hmm. but it's like half a day of doing whatever it is that's planned and often that's now doing nothing I love to read and I'm a big reader of fiction books um I I don't really buy clothes anymore I don't feel that that like serves my happiness whereas I think that did in my 20s I like to really spend time with my close-knit friends especially those who I still you know have from university which are also more the ones that I've made along the way in this journey um and you know a a lot of the time Spending time with yourself just means waking up in the morning and making sure that my first cup of tea is alone and I'm looking out the window. It means that when I'm uh, walking to a meeting, that I'm walking without headphones and looking up in the sky. It's that when I have the pleasure of, you know, spending time with my niece, it's like I give her all the attention and I learn from her. It's that when I go home, um, I can really listen to what my family are doing and saying and what's going on in their lives and be be present. And, you know, simply, I think, to answer your question when you think about happiness mental health making the most of your time giving yourself time I'm getting to this point where I'm like I just want to be present in the moment and and you know life is already really noisy and I live a very noisy life so if I can be present and I can find peace and just that scent and and center myself which is not meditation and it's not mediation and it might not be therapy though I've been through all of those before it's just I'm able to sit and enjoy the moment without my brain being like oh I need to send that email or mm-hmm. I need to like reply back to that whatsapp message or that client's gonna be like this that is a, is a really big step for me and um you know we, we're talking about this but la two weeks ago I had a really um so we'd been planning this like workshop on neurodiversity for about three months and I was doing a workshop and I was really excited for it and I live in London and it was in Cambridge um but the day before I got a really bad migraine Mm-hmm. Like, it was really bad um, and I knew that if I was to do that three hour commute to Cambridge deliver that workshop and come back it would ruin me for at least another week and so I found bravery in being able to contact the organizers to say look I'm unfortunately not able going to I'm not going to be able to make it I'm happy to deliver another time I'm happy to deliver online I'm happy to send resources but I can't be there in person and so someone might be like oh you gave up an opportunity but for me, I'm like, but this is why I've set up my own business is to know that when I'm in pain, I can take myself away from things and just focus on my health. And that for mm-hmm. me, honestly, was a measure of bravery and courage and confidence and success in a way that, you know, maybe maybe earning like X amount from that wouldn't have been is because mm-hmm. you're putting yourself first. And yeah. women, especially in the fintech space, we need to put ourselves first and we need to think about ourselves as main characters and we need to think about who we are and race to probably who we want to be, define our measures for success and just keep going. But when you come to crossroads or when you have people trying to digress you, I think even entertain that for a little bit and see where it takes you and what new opportunities come of it. But if you're straying away from your core values or what your version of success and your future vision looks like, then you have to take a step back and sometimes taking a step back means having great people around you who will say, you're not doing what you need to do. You need to you need to stop. Or it could mean that you've written down, you know, 10 red flags that you need to be notified. And every day you go over them and you're like, hey, am I am I me? Like, mm-hmm. I've now yeah. met red flags. Yeah. I need to stop because, you know, you're, you're basically putting the work to, to, to kind of figure out where you are and where you want to go. Yeah, holding yourself accountable as well, right? Yeah. That's I probably what that. I'm trying to say and you've just summed it up in one. So that's great. <laughs> no, I think that that's it's it's really nice that you've mentioned all that cuz what you said I'm like I'm taking into what I'm doing right now. I'm like am I saying yes to this? But I also need to put myself first because it has been a difficult year. Um so yeah, that that's really nice. I like that. 
So um, we're reaching the end of the podcast now. Um, I just wanted to have one last question for you. Um, so what what's next for you and your business and what are you most excited about? So it's such a difficult question. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's such a difficult question. Now let me tell you why, because I'm at this really awesome crossroads where I can do three things, okay? Mm -hmm. What a great privilege and a place to be like, oh my gosh. It's exciting, lots of different things. It's exactly. your dopamine. Absolutely, right? Like which one hits that dopamine? But um, so the first thing is we have our tech app coming at the end of the year. So it's if LinkedIn and Bumble had a baby, the idea being that if I'm in London and I land in Lisbon, I can see who's around me, I can connect with them, I can, you know, have coffees with them. But equally, if I am in a different part of the world and I've got a career question, I can ask the questions appropriately. And most importantly, that I can connect with mentors wherever I am virtually because there's a lot of people that want to give back mm -hmm. at their time. But it's very much made for women with women in mind, especially women of color or marginalized communities because I, I am that person. And I'm like, mm -hmm. right, not everyone feels safe or secure going on an Instagram or, or sending a message on LinkedIn or going on Twitter. A lot of the time because you feel like it might not work in your favor and it might be detrimental to your corporate career, right? Or your, your skill set. So here's more of a safer space that we're trying to create. So that's the first thing that's happening. So that's really cool. Um, and so I, you know, would just love it if everyone just downloads it and, and gets on it and gives feedback and starts engaging because that's how we're going to really build that up. So for me, it's 2024 is we're going to hard launch it around an in-person life skill summit, which we're going to do mid, um, mid summer. And if I can get a thousand users in the first year, I'm good. Right. And for some people that's like, oh, a thousand is not enough. I'm like, no, a, a thousand is good for me. Like if I can mm -hmm. get my first thousand people signed up with their data, you know, and then 10% of them paying for mentors. Awesome. Like I, that's my version of success. The second thing is, is that I love to present and I'm actually quite a good presenter. And it turns out that it's, you know, my energy is now really working for me as an asset. Um, and so I would really like to focus on doing more presenting uh, in the tech trends and kind of travel AI business space, be that for large corporates and production um, conferences, or be that for small gigs and panels, or be that through various different podcasts. Um, and then the third thing is that I love, love to travel like yourself. Um, and I'm very grateful that I have been pitching and trying to get into the travel writing space and like I said you know I've had a lot of rejections but I've had some great commissions by big brands and so I really could and would like to spend some time being able to travel to different destinations and write about them and share my own lived and learned experience and um, but also immerse myself in new cultures because I think being in London London is awesome but I'm I'm like a Londoner right like I'm an ambassador I love London but I also think that we live in a little bit of a bubble. And so I find that when I get to travel and explore and experience new cultures, I'm learning the way that they communicate in their language. I'm taking little bits home. So be that, you know, the chilled out life that Italians and Spanish have or mm -hmm. the um, family-esque culture that Indians and Pakistanis have or the let's go and have a good time that, you know, the Latin community have, whatever it might be. How do I incorporate that mm -hmm. back in my day-to-day -day life? And you also mm -hmm. see challenges beyond yours. So... I had a really good trip to Turkey with Infrapid in June and I saw what the females are doing to enhance their economy and how forward they are in some ways, but how um, not so advanced they are in others. So I was like, right, if I'm building a tech product to meet the demands of other people, especially other women, how do yeah. I make sure I'm incorporating their problems into this? So that's kind of the three spaces. So either I can go like fully focus on the app route, which I will do, but I'm also going to take some time for myself. I'm going to do a lot more presenting, speaking and being in the public sphere based on the topics and trending moments, especially because I bring that energy into into these gigs mm -hmm. and then doing a lot more writing and being quite impactful. So you're reaching a high level audience with your words, um, which, you know, again, being a, a kind of neurodivergent South Asian first gen women uh, on, on in, in these platforms is really appropriate and really healthy and ultimately it's all about representation um, inclusion and, and accessibility, but it's also about making sure that you meet people at their mediums of choice. So if I'm now, you know, on an app via tech and I'm also in public on the screen, but I'm also writing blogs, articles, and kind of, you know, in travel mags, that's three different spaces which people can see themselves being represented. And I think for me, that's really important. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like, 
it's I mean it sounds super excited for um, what you're doing and I'm very excited for you um yeah it sounds like you've got a lot going on and it's it's all happening and it's it's just a very exciting time for you isn't it I think so thank you I I, I really truly believe so and you know I, I kind of um reiterate maybe one of the points I made earlier um is is you can't work this hard not to be successful you yes. can't you can't give yourself a shot not to be successful. Your The success that you have might be different to what you sought out to be or sought out to have, of course. But hard work, consistency, resiliency, um, positivity, and, and a little bit of delusion really, yeah. really pays off. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's um, If I, at 23, because I started my business at 23, like a fintech consultancy, if I didn't have a bit of, if I wasn't a bit delusional, I wouldn't be where I am today. So being a bit delusional always helps. (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on this uh, podcast, Sonia. It's been such a pleasure and it's been such a great conversation with you. I already feel super energized and um, lots, I'm sure, well, there's lots of words of wisdom in there that our listeners going to be able to take with them and help grow their careers forward thank you so much thank you for having me thank you for also sharing your experiences and for everyone and anyone listening you can connect with me at sonia barlow uk across all channels sonia barlow and google and linkedin and then hello at sonia if you want to drop me a line amazing amazing thank you sonia